In today's show, we're talking center tiers for fantasy basketball. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore b-ball on TikTok at redrock underscore b-ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. Right, we're here to finish off the tiers series. Matt Smith will be joining me in a second to talk about centers. I did do the video discussing Durant, my new rankings metric, which, for those of you who are unaware, is my attempt to make rankings better. Hopefully, it works. We're going to have that up as an option over on Basketball Monster, hopefully by the weekend. Basketball Monster, of course, is open for the season for subscriptions. And then my next thing that I will be putting out, and hopefully that's not far off as well, is Bazemore, which is my dynasty ranking metric. So hopefully we get that coming soon as well. But now we're going to finish off the tiers segment of shows. We've done point guards, shooting guards, small forwards, power forwards. And now it's time to do centers. So let's get Matt in. Here he is. The big fella, Matt Smith. Ah, Smitty. Welcome back to the show, Smitty. Good evening to you, Josh. How are you today? I am good. It is late at night. I'm ready to go. I'm recording with a beer because I need to wind down, man. It's bedtime. I've got to have my nighttime beer as we're ready to go and talk about centers. Not that it's that stressful to talk to you, man. I don't need to relax that much. I just need to talk about these centers because people have been asking. The people have been wanting to know when is Matt Smith coming on to finish off this tier series. And we are here ready to do it right now because we are talking centers and we might as well just bang straight into it. No need to muck around here. Well, that is absolutely the wrong slide. That is a terrible start. That's what happens when I record late, Matt. It keeps happening to us. This is a better too option. Many, too many beers, mate. This is the first one. Uh, there's four glasses of wine, but this is the first beer. <laughs> All right. This is better. Tier one, centers. Big Chungus, Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid. Jokic is just going number one across the board. Embiid. Of course, on ESPN, their ADPs are all whack, but he's 3-3-5. Three, three, and five. A little bit weird for me to see that Embiid's not going at two. Um, I think you'll be in agreement with me, Matt, that we could both see, maybe I'm wrong, maybe you don't agree with me, we, we could see Embiid finishing as number one overall, but I, I don't really see any justification for taking him there. Yeah, I mean, potentially he could, but you know, if you take him at two and he finishes at one, that's not going to be... A league-winning move. The same if Nikola Jokic, um, you take him at one and he finishes at five. I don't think that's going to drastically impact your season. But, you know, Nikola Jokic has been the number one player for the past three years. And Bede's been closer than anyone during that time. But I don't think there's any need to complicate things and, and potentially make a case for anyone else. Um, you know, Jokic has been more durable over the past few seasons as well. So on a per-game value and a total value, Nikola Jokic is still the number one player, and I'd have Joel Embiid right behind him at two. So will you definitely take Embiid at two? Uh, right now, I would, yes. Okay. Um, no one else would come into consideration. You wouldn't consider Luca. You wouldn't consider Shea. You wouldn't consider... 
I don't know. Yeah, per, her, Steph probably not. You wouldn't go that far. You wouldn't. No. Like, let's say it's probably Luca and Shea as the other two options. You wouldn't. You wouldn't ever think I'm going to go that direction. Not necessarily. Wouldn't ever. Right now, Luca's at number three for me, and Shea, um, yeah, is at sort of four or five with Tyrese Halliburton. So um, we'll see sort of what happens over the next six weeks. But right now, I'm still comfortable taking Joel Embiid at uh, at two. But um, yeah, it could also, also depend what I can get at the back end of the second round and at the start of the third, just to sort of build that foundation of my team and then work those three players in together. Um, but yeah, as I said, right now, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with those guys one and two. If we look at how my Durant metric puts out tier one and also for points leagues, it does have Jokic sitting by himself in tier one. Um, so again, I just... I don't. I wouldn't. I don't care if Jokic finishes at three. It doesn't make a single bit of difference at all. And you can't predict if he gets hurt and misses fifty games. You can't. So just take him at one. Doesn't matter. Take him beat at one if you want. Also, it probably doesn't matter that much. And then for points leagues, I've got him beat and Jokic there. Look, it's really hard to argue with any of that sort of stuff. I think right across the board. Tier two, Matt. You've got just the one guy in there. That's Anthony Davis. His ADP sits at 11, 12, and fourteen. Of course, we do expect that he is better than that on a per game basis, but we know that there are consistent sort of lower body issues with Davis, but it is very interesting. I feel like at this time last season, we had this discussion. We said, I don't really think that Davis has even got number one overall upside um, potential anymore because his rebounds had disappeared and they had, and then he jumped them up by three rebounds per game. He went from 9.9 to 12 and a half. We didn't think that he had that necessarily in him. He also took his free throws, which had gone from 85 to 74 to 71. They went back to 78. So, like it shows how little, how how little, small changes. Like rebounds, three rebounds a game. It's hard to predict that's going to happen. Jumping your free throws back up, even though that did drop off for him over, over the course of the season, just makes that significant difference. So AD is probably going in the right area, but there's no guarantee he goes back to being that top four per game player. No, I don't think so. And again, we've discussed sort of the, the issues we've got in the back end of that first round into the early second with some players with durability concerns and those trade requests hanging over mm. James Harden and Damian Lillard um, in particular. So Davis is just another guy you can throw into that mix. Um, like you said, the free throw was was one of the biggest issues of him over the past couple of seasons. I guess when you get Anthony Davis, you know, those regular trips to the locker room, they do make managers nervous as well. So um, if you've got Davis on your on your team, there might be a few sleepless nights along the way. He was pretty good. Like he had that one big injury where he missed most of well, half of December and half of January. He missed that time, so he missed a bit over a month. But otherwise, he didn't really miss any other time. There was like three games in the last three months of the season, and three games or so in the first two months of the season, and then he just missed that big chunk. So he didn't have those things, which has always been an annoying thing with Davis, was he'd miss like two games, or he'd miss half a game, and it didn't happen as much last season. We saw the big injury. And that's that's really all that hit him, um, which is, it's not good, but it's, I, I don't know, I find that a little bit more encouraging. Yeah, I think you can take a little bit of confidence from that, but we also know his history and, and the concerns along the way that he does happen to miss games. And like I said, those trips to the locker room and everyone just waits by their, by their phone or by their computer, just waiting for an update on the severity of the injury, which... Um, yeah, it does cause people to, to panic at the time. So, yeah, like I mentioned, just another guy to throw into that mix at, at late in the in the first, early second round. Yeah, I don't really have a problem with taking him in the first round or, or that you know, start of the second round. I don't think there's any issue with that. In terms of Durant's tier two, um, Embiid is there because I had Jokic by himself in tier one. And then for points leagues, I've got Davis there in tier two uh, by himself as well. It's it really hard to...
to argue that your three top centers are Jokic, Embiid, Davis in that order. I think if anyone came up with a different order that, I'd have some questions about um, what you're thinking is actually going to go down. In terms of tier three, I also don't really think there's much argument here with Sabonis being the fourth center in tier three. He's got an ADP, 21, 17, and 18 from Yahoo, Fantrax, ESPN in that order. I took him at number 12, Matt, in a points league mock draft the other day. I think he's a first-round points league player. But I have seen some people think that maybe he's worth a crack as a first-rounder in a category league. And I don't think I can quite get there with that. Yeah, I'm not quite there either. And I have seen some people tweet that. I'm I'm still comfortable with him in the back end of the second round. Um, And, you know, if that's the case, then you're probably going to be able to pair him with potentially a Shea or Lamella or Steph or maybe even Tyrese Halliburton, which is a really nice duo to start off. And um, again, the 79 games he played last year, so the durable, he had 65 double-doubles in those games and a triple-double threat as well with the assists, the massive um, boost in field goal percentage. So, yeah, another good season in store for Demata Sabonis. I think when we look at Sabonis, it is hard to see how there is significant improvement from last season. I think that's part of it where he is probably that middle second round guy. There's a level of reliability in what he's going to do. He shot about 2% from three to begin the season and started to hit them low volume towards the end. But it's hard for me to look at and go, well, what if this happens and this happens and this happens? Something can always happen, but I don't really look at what he did and see gigantic room for improvement in it. No, I don't think so. I think we now now know what you're going to get some from Sabonis. He's 27 years of age, and it's not like he's all of a sudden going to start blocking shots or hitting no. three. So you're really drafting him for the points, rebounds, assists, um, and the field goal percentage. Like I said, so um, at least you know what you're getting with him and how you can build around him. Do you punt blocks or do you you know add to those blocks later on um, in the draft? So um, yeah, I think sometimes there is a level of comfort with these guys who we know what they're going to produce on the on a nightly basis. Um, and, it, in, you know, in a way, it makes it easier for, for you to build around them when you know what you're going to get. Yeah, like he is relatively consistent in terms of game-to-game production. He's never going to be dropping 35s, you know, but he'll give you that 20 and 12 really, really regularly. 20, 12 and 6 is a pretty it's common fun. thing yeah. that he's, that he's going to do. In Tier 3 for Durant, well, uh, I've got Sabonis there for or for Durant. It's Anthony Davis against the same order, just pushed into different tiers. And Sabonis sits in Tier 3 for points leagues. But I think that those four guys in Embiid, uh, Jokic, Davis, and Sabonis are all probably first-round picks um, in, in a point league with you. Sabonis more, more so sitting there um, on the turn. We're going to get to talk about some more players in a sec, Matt. Before I do that, I'm going to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs are the shorts that make you not only feel good, but they make you look good as well. Because they've got this like tight tight like uh, inner fabric that really pumps your thighs. It really gives them a nice sculpted look instead of your regular stiff cotton khaki shorts. Bird dogs are made of this cloud knit fabric, which looks just like khaki, but it stretches. So you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. It also has anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. These are the shorts that you will wear wherever you go. You've got to go to the shops. You're going to go down to the supermarket. You're going to go um, to a bar. You're going to go to a barbecue. You're going to go to play basketball. You're going to go watch a game. Bird dogs will transition to whatever you need them to do. They are super comfortable. And when you get them, I'm telling you, you're not going to want to take them off. And now they've got a great new offer as well. When you go to birddogs.com, slash locked on NBA or you enter the promo code locked on NBA at checkout, you get a free Bird Dogs water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on NBA for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you. 
That will bring us in as Obi's trying to move around. Where are you going, you idiot? Um, he's trying to get into your bird dogs by the look of it. He's, he, he likes sitting on the bird dogs. Good, good sitting texture on the bird dogs. Let's look at tier format. We've got um, three centers here. Finally, we're expanding the tiers out a little bit. Tier four, it's got the rookie Chet Holmgren. It's got Kristaps Porzingis, who was obviously significantly better than this last season. And then there's Miles Turner. Um, you can see some discrepancies there across ADPs. Turner going as high as 34. Holmgren going as low as 69 over on ESPN. They're all relatively similar in terms of, and this is going to be a common theme throughout this show, that they all have the potential ability to give you two to two and a half blocks a game. They have all of that in common. Porzingis a better scorer. Turner, probably a higher field goal percentage player. Um, Chet, obviously a rookie, but probably the best rebounder out of that group as well. How do you view the downturn in Porzingis joining the Boston Celtics? Or the, pr the presumed downturn, I, I guess, is a better way of putting that. Yeah, I think there's definitely going to be a, a be a bit of a hit there playing with Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown and potentially alongside Horford and Williams as well. So I don't think we can expect the level of production that he produced last season in Washington. Um, so take that into consideration. Chet Holmgren, again, I think he's going to be one of these players who, as we get closer to the season and, and through training camp and the preseason games, his value and stock is just going to, going to increase and rise. Um, but yeah, can't wait to see see what, uh, what he'll do this season. And Miles Turner, um, yeah, adds the three pointers um, that some of the other elite shot blockers don't. Um, again, we've had some durability concerns about around him over the past few years, but at 27 uh, years of age, still in the prime of his career and, and prime for another strong season. So, um, yeah, some pretty nice players here to, to target if you go small early on with your first two or three picks. I think probably the major difference here between, say, a Chet in Tier 4 and like a Nick Claxton, who we're going to get to later, is that Chet is going to be a better free throw shooter, but otherwise he's a lower usage center, whereas Puzingas and, to a lesser extent, Turner are higher usage guys. We're going to score probably a little bit more now. I think Chet's going to be able to score more at some point in his career, maybe just not this season. So he's probably like a you're getting Claxton-y type numbers with a little bit less scoring, but better free throw percentage. We, we might guess at how his season plays out. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think I mentioned this on one of the other shows that centre tiers is probably the hardest position just to try to group these players because we've got so many guys who are elite in two or three categories and poor in two or three categories. So, um, you know, and particularly over the next couple of tiers, it's been really difficult to try and group them. I and mean, I'm not necessarily saying you need to take, and maybe I'll, I'll say this in the next tier, but take this player over someone in the next tier. It really still depends how you've started your draft and what you need um, at certain points throughout the draft as well. So again, you can slide these players up and down tiers depending on your structure and format. Let's have a look at how Durant looks at tier four as well as points leagues. Tier four is a, is a big boy. There's a lot happening here as these guys are, as you said, like relatively close together. The one that stood out to me in my Durant formula, now this is all based on per game and not totals, is Rob Williams really did jump up the rankings. And we know that two years ago, if you had had Rob Williams in this area, everyone would have said, yeah, that's fine. That's what he's going to do. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, injuries rooted his season last season, but I, I have bumped him back into this area. But there's Sabonis, there's Porzingis, there's Rob Williams, Claxton, Bam Adebayo, Daniel Gafford. And that's just going to really depend on, on what sort of things you're looking for from these guys because Bam is a very different player to what Rob Williams is or Dan Gafford is and Porzingis is a different player to Sabonis. 
But that's where overall value can be sometimes uh, a little bit confusing in a category. Like in a points league, it doesn't matter how many points you're going to get us. So I've got Bam, Claxton, Miles Turner, Nurkic. Again, that's a per game thing. Walker Kessler, Porzingis, and Rudy Gobert in that area. And I believe one of these tiers even continues a little bit further. Yeah, the points one is huge. It's Holmgren, Nick Vucevic, DeAndre Ayton, Mark Williams, and Jakob Pertl. We talk about centers, Matt. I think this is a really good illustration about how it's always been considered or it's a harder category or a harder position to fill. It's like 20 blokes who are going to go in the mid, in the f- middle four rounds, I would say. There's a million centers that seem to be available through those round three through eight area, I would say. Yeah, and I, I definitely agree. And coming up in sort of tier five, six, seven, and even pushing into eight, there's still a number of good big men on the board. So, mm. again, I've always been strong on, on drafting elite point guards early. Um, and again, I'll, I'll be pushing that again this season um, for the fact that you can get a good centre, and not only one good centre, but two or potentially three, like you said, through rounds three, four, five, six, um, you know, seven, potentially even eight. Well, you're going to be able to look at Wendell Carter and Clint Capella in like the 90s or 100s and you know, Daniel Gafford's going around the 100s. Like these are guys mm-hmm. who there's no reason they can't be top 50, top 60 type players, but there's just such a weird grouping of all these guys like, 10, 12, 15 guys all in these mid-rounds that it depends what you've done early. And if you go back and watch our point guard tier, you'll see there's like you know 20 guys that, that we think are probably top 50 players as point guards almost. Maybe not 20, but it's close enough. And it's yeah. like they're all concentrated there. Then in the middle, it's all big men. All these centers seem to go in these middle group, uh, group of rounds. Let's bring it across to tier five. Now, Madden, there's a couple of names we did just mention. Nikki Claxton, Bam Adebayo, and Walker Kessler. Now, people will look at that and they go, well, Adebayo is getting drafted Third round, 35, 27, 36, whereas Walker Kessler, for some unknown reason, has an ADP of 107 on ESPN. That's obviously insane, but these guys are like fifth or sixth round players. We are a little bit lower on BAM for this upcoming season. I My worry there is that part of how he's been able to establish himself, he lost a lot of assists when Kyle Lowry came, and he turned into a little bit more of a usage player. The problem is if Damian Lillard comes, not only does Lillard take usage, but he takes assists as well, so he gets the double hit. So that way that he was able to maintain some value is by taking usage. And that's going to go away. And he then becomes clearly the third offensive option. And he doesn't block shots. And sometimes his free throws can be a little bit iffy. And I think that I think if Lillard does arrive on this team, no matter who goes out, it's going to hurt Bam pretty significantly, I think. Yeah, and that, I guess that's what I'm trying to factor in here as well. And even you know, without that trade, Bam has um, had his um, assists, rebounds, and, and blocks decline over the past couple of seasons and like you said if Dame Lillard does arrive on the scene then he becomes the third option and you know the assists and, and the points in particular now dry up as well um, and he is the third option behind Lillard and um, Jimmy Butler so that is the concern and, and once again we've got all these younger big men coming through so um, that might encourage people to maybe have a look at them you know we've had Bam Adebayo on our teams before and now we want to try a Nick Claxton or a Walker Kessler or someone in, in tier six or tier seven, which may um, cause Bam to drop a little bit on draft day. Yeah, and I think that's fair enough. Like if Bam's going to drop, there is just a level of uncertainty about what how he's going to fit and what the role is going to be and all that sort of stuff. Kessler, I think, has got to be close to the favorite to lead the league in blocks. He's a guy that when I did the video um, earlier in the offseason of the statistical outliers, like the top in each category and bottom, 
he appeared like six times because he was like in the top five for three categories and the bottom five for three other categories. Terrible threes, no assists, no steals, terrible free throws, sky-high rebounds, blocks, and um, field goal percentage. So there's a very clear thing you're doing with Kessler if you're taking him. Some of the rankings, as I have discussed many times, will skew his block numbers and people go, well, look at that. He's actually the 15th best player. And I'll say, cool, good luck losing if you think that he's the 15th best player if you're going to take him there. He still has real value in certain areas, but there are a ton of negatives about what he did. Now, looking at his overall numbers from last season with Kessler, Matt, it's hard to judge because he played like 23 minutes, but he was a top 40-ish sort of guy going by traditional rankings or top 30th. Uh, top 30 over the end of the season, but there are a lot of caveats about just assessing what Kessler can do. Yeah, again, and that's why we're not big on taking Jaron Jackson Jr. inside the the second round because we've got Walker Kessler here with these elite blocks. Um, we've mentioned Miles Turner, we've mentioned Nick Claxton, um, Chet Holmgren as well, and then there's still more elite blocks to come. So mm. um, that's why I think we can use that pick a little bit wiser early on in those first, second, third rounds. Let's have a look at tier five for Duran. I think this is another big chungus one. Yeah, it is. There's a lot of guys in these. Uh, this is good. There's just so many centers in that are hard to really split. Tier five on Durant has Jarrett Allen, Chet Holmgren, Anyeka Okongwu, Yusuf Nurkic, Miles Turner, Yaka Pertle, and Mark Williams. In points leagues, it's Allen, Shengun, Wendell Carter, Daniel Gafford, Jalen Duran, Stephen Adams, Clint Capella, and I think it goes on again. Yeah, it does. And tier five for points gives you Zach Collins and Anyeka Okongwu. Just a ton of guys. And I think the thing why when we look at, Matt, and I don't know how you approach this with tiers, but when you see a tier that is chunkier than another one above it, I think it's it gives you more of a scope to pass on a lot of guys in that tier, knowing that even if you don't take someone that a round later or two rounds later, that someone from that same level is still going to be there. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the perfect way to look at these tiers collectively. We're talking about how to use them individually, but collectively, again, we can see that there's a drop-off in point guards. So you might need to get one or probably even two point guards in the top 50, and then you can wait until maybe 50, 60, 70 to, to get a big man or two because we know there are they are still there and that depth is still waiting. Let's head across to Tier 6 now, Matt. We've got two guys here, and people, I think, will be surprised to see Alperen Sengun sitting there. Jarrett Allen's in the same one. Jarrett Allen, one of the most boring centers, I think, in the NBA. I don't really see an upside for him. I think there is a chance that maybe there could be a trade. I don't really see a gigantic downside. Maybe he loses a minute or two. But Sengun's the one of the biggest hit-or-miss guys, I think, in the entire draft. If Ime Yudoka loves what he does and they put the ball in his hands, he's a top-20 player. But... If they pin all defensive woes on him and decide they want Tarius and Jabari Smith in the front court, well, he might play 27 minutes and be the 90th best player. And the stuff that I keep hearing every time I hear someone talk about Houston makes me shit scared about how he is going to play. The fact that, A, they targeted Brook Lopez in free agency, like a 35-year-old guy to bring in on a rebuilding team when you've got a guy who legitimately was their best player in Shengun last season is meaning that they have a completely different view of their talent than what I do. And that's not a great thing. If I'm viewing a guy one way and they're viewing, not saying it, we're right, either one's right or wrong, but when we look at them differently, then you can't just say, well, I think he's good. This is going to happen. Because if they're doing all these things and they bench him for Bruno Fernando, and then they try and bring in Brook Lopez, and now there's other options to get Eason and Smith in there. I'm really worried about it going off the rails here for Shengun. I tend to think that the discussion around bringing in Lopez was to give them that pure defensive centre that they don't have on the roster. Like Jock Landale isn't that centre. Um, they And they don't have... Jabari Smith can play there at centre for, for parts, but I don't think he's 
um, a guy who can play significant minutes at that position. So maybe it was designed to protect Shen Goon a little bit. But thinking about it more again, I wonder whether bringing in Fred Van Vliet and bringing in Dylan Brooks, and like we discussed with the OKC Thunder in a couple of years ago with Jalen Williams about how last year they were solely focused on protecting the perimeter and going after those steals because they didn't have that defensive big man behind them. I wonder whether the Rockets are actually going to try and do something similar and focus their defense in on the guards and the wings. And if they get by, then, you know, so be it kind of thing. Um, but, I mean, I put a poll out on Twitter the other day about who is the Rockets' second best player. And if we agree that Fred Van Vliet is the first, I think 60% of a 1,000 votes had Shen Goon at second. And I tend to agree that if Shen Goon is their second best player, why would you take him off off the floor? Like, play to uh, his they did, strengths, all, play they to did his... all last season, though. Like, that, he was their best player last season. And they did it nearly every game. Oh, no, obviously, yeah. Steve, uh, and the, the thing is, I started to think it was Silas, and I heard on uh, a couple of hard, hard uh, what's it called? The one with Dan Favali's podcast, hard something. So I apologize, Dan. Hard knock wood or some hardwood knocks or some shit. I can't remember the mm-hmm. name. I completely have blank on it, but it was, um, now I can't remember the guy's name. The guy that covers the uh, Rockets. Uh, anyway, I've completely yep. butchered all of this. And he said, he tended to think, oh, maybe it was a Silas thing. And now he's like, oh, Silas is gone. And I don't actually know that it was a Silas thing that was pushing that against Shingun. He thinks it was an organizational directive to um, perhaps try some other things and they don't believe in Shingun as a future piece of or a future core piece, even though he did perform as their best player. And I went, oh, that's, yeah, that's a little bit worrying. When a, a Rockets reporter is saying that he thought it was a Silas thing, but now he's like, I don't think it was. That's a little bit worrying to me. But again, they don't have anyone that can play significant minutes in that role. No, well, this is what I think. I think they'll play Smith and Eason, and Eason at times will fo- uh, feature as a center, even though he is small because the way he plays, right? High-level rebounder, high-level rim protector, um, not an outside shooter, and him and Smith will play in there. I, I just think... It doesn't mean that Shingun's going to play 20 minutes. I just think that he's not going to play 35. I think that he'll play 29 or 28, and Smith will get some minutes, and Landau will get some minutes there, and then that get, that's an, enables Eason or Jeff Green. They might play Jeff Green at backup center. Like, they, Jeff Green's there for some reason. Like, they might do that as well. So I just think that while Shingun was great in year two, big step up from year one to year two, year three, huge breakout. I, my confidence in the way the Rockets view him is, is pretty low. I'd love to be surprised. I think he's really good. I just have no confidence in it. So in a, in a Roto Keeper League, mm. I have the option to keep Shengun or Claxton. Uh, look, Who I, do I keep? I, look, the upside of Shengun is significantly superior. And we all know that yeah. in three years' time, Matt, like 80% of rosters are turned over. And if they don't believe in him, he's not going to be there. And then he might be on another team that season uses him in a, in a way that is way more um it's not like they're going to be like man the rockets really know what they're doing he must be tra- trash no one's thinking that across the nba so if you're looking at that sort of thing i think in the end talent will win out somewhere it yeah. just might not be on this houston team yeah and, and i think that's the way i'm leaning at the moment and this time last year i sat here and i said that you know shankun can be the next nikola vucevic and i, I still believe that and with that become, comes sort of top 25 to top 30 upside. Mm. Um, but like you said, we're like you said, we're, we're sitting here discussing, is he going to be top 30 this year or, or top 130? Like, there's just going to be a massive difference and it's going to be, it's going to be interesting one way or another. 
So it's going to be frustrating. Yeah. I'm really confident that's going to be frustrating. Tier six over on Durant again, big big chunky one. We've got Shingun, Wendell Carter, Gobert, Aiton, Kessler, Vucevic, Duran. For points leagues, it's Brooke Lopez, it's Valanciunas, it's Mitchell Robinson, it's Rob Williams, Zubats, Looney, Bobby Portis, and I'm pretty sure this extends again into tier six again. And Zach Collins throws in there for Durant as well. So with that, those both the points and the category league ones that I'm throwing up here, there is really really large groups of people, eight nine guys in each tier. Tier 7 for you, Matt, we also go pretty big. Dan Gafford, Mark Williams, Jakob Pertl, Vooch, and DeAndre Ayton. And people will see that Gafford and Williams have ADPs in the 100s, and Vooch has got them in round 3. That is a gigantic discrepancy. I am I am, also, I am out on Vooch this season. I just think he's age 32. He's still the third option. I don't see him getting better than last season. I see him declining if the percentage drops off at all. I, he doesn't block shots. I, I just I don't see it. I don't see him being that guy, but maybe I'm just... Maybe we're just haters of Vooch. I don't know. I'm just I just don't see it for him. Yeah, and I was guilty of writing him off last season and that drop off didn't come, a slight drop off in, in, in steals and blocks, but the big hit didn't come. And he also played in eighty two games, um, which was incredible. But I do think this season, as again is is about to turn thirty three years of age, I do think this will be um, the first time in six seasons that he drops out of the top fifty and therefore have him in this tier. Um, and yeah, so like I said, some really good young options. I mean, Daniel Gafford in particular, I think mm, he oh, could yeah. be one of the breakout players of the season. There's no competition there for him. All we've been crying out for the last few years is for him to get minutes. Now's his opportunity. Um, all he needs to do is stay healthy and stay out of foul trouble, and hopefully those two things can happen, and yeah, he's going to be one of the big winners this season, I believe. Vooch dropped his usage last season. Um, he still averaged 17-11, but he was able to do that by yeah, hitting six percentage points better from two-point range, which I'm not really sure I buy that being able to stick. He averaged 0.3 blocks per game over the final 16 games. He um, had a, a what did he, he was outside the top 45 over the last eight games of the season. And he also played only 30 minutes a game over those final eight games when the Bulls were pushing to make the playoffs and to get into the play-in, which is... I don't know, a little interesting. And I think if there is any hope of Patrick Williams stepping up, well, Vooch, I think, is going to be the guy that has to seed touches. It's not going to be DeRozan or Levine, I wouldn't have thought. So I'm a little bit, yeah, I'm just not big on him, but I'm totally with you on Gafford. Mark Williams, I think, is getting to be a steal as well in drafts. People are, are really worried because they remember what happened at the end of last season where uh, Williams and uh, Richards kept... Uh, alternating starts, that's just not going to happen this season. And uh, PJ Washington, I don't think is a factor either. He didn't play any center at all last season. I think Williams is going to play 28 to 31 every night and be pretty strong, I would guess. I'm not, no concern about him at all. Yeah, and don't forget that the Bulls have the best rebounder ever and um, future <laughs> Hall of Fame. Andre Drummond still on the roster, Josh. They do, they do. So that's always a threat for him to take over from Vooch. Um, Let's go to tier seven of Durant. My points league tiers are actually done for centers. For uh, Durant, it's Capella, Lopez, Robinson, Michi Robinson, that is, and Stephen Adams there uh, at the bottom. That will bring us now to look at tier eight. Matt, we've got Gobert, Rob Williams, Nurkic, and Okongwu. A very disparate group of players there. Okongwu's a backup. Nurkic is always hurt. Gobert's a you know, first three-round stud from a couple of years ago. But really hard for me to argue with that. And I know that when I look at Nurkic here and I look at those ADPs, I'm definitely going to get suckered back into picking him. I, I, I have to. Like, if he's when he's sitting there in round 10, and you talk about um, the Wizards having no centers, 
the Blazers have none either. There's nobody behind Nurkic. Like literally not a center on the roster that's not Ibu Baji, their two-way player. So Nurkic's going to have to play. And I said this to someone the other day when people go, well, they're, they're going to dump him on a trade. Why would they give up assets to get off that contract when they're bad? They don't need to. They can just sit there. They don't need the cap space. What are they doing with it? Like, why would they give up an asset to get off of Nurk? It makes, there's no young player he's blocking. There's no reason for him to be gone from Portland. I don't, unless someone says, we want to give you something to get him. I don't see why they would do that. No, I don't think so either. And just on Rudy Gobert probably could have potentially have him in the tier above um, and happy for him to be in, in tier seven. Um, and Onyeka Okonwu, again, we're waiting for him to take over from Clinton Capella. Um, if we do hear that or know that then you know potentially he jumps up a tier two um and like i said with robert williams just always injured um and now he's got christaps porzingis um in the um front court for company as well yeah you, you just think that who knows what they do in terms of minutes do they preserve horford a little bit more but everyone's injury prone porzingis williams and horford can all get injured like which one's the more important one to preserve i don't know i think they're all at probably a similar a similar risk kong is an interesting one um i think that we lean more towards more towards a minute split this season than we have in the past, but that doesn't mean that you know his minutes went down under Quinn Snyder last season. I don't think we need to. Um, I don't think we should forget that point. Point of it. even though his ranking went up, his minutes did drop, and they played him you know, less less playing time behind Clint Capella. We'll get to Capella soon enough, but the last tier for Durant here um, in the category league section, of course, is Valanciunas, Hartenstein, Mason Plumley, Zubats, Looney. And Larry Nance Jr. Points League tiers are done. And we go to Tier 9. Matt, it's Brooke Lopez. It's Wendell Carter Jr. and Zach Collins. And Brooke Lopez was way better than this last season. Why is he just so far down the list? Because if you go on what he did last season, he probably should be like a Tier 4, Tier 5 player. Yeah, he was incredible last season. He went from um, 23 minutes a game in, in just 13 games, played 78 out of the 82 games, played 30 minutes a night. Um, his blocks went back to 2.5, which was the, well, I shouldn't even say back to 2.5. That was actually the highest block per game rate of his entire career. The previous best was 2.4 back in 19 and 20. Um, so again, basically doubled his block rate from the season before um, and just, yeah, and out of the box season. So I don't think any of those numbers can can stick again, being at the playing time, being the games played, it all being the block rate. And for that reason, yeah, he's down, down this low. So... Um, yeah, be a little bit cautious of, of Brook Lopez and I'd stay away from him at those ADPs. He's fine to draft, right? If you get him later than that, maybe the block rate does stick, but you're right, it was one of the biggest numbers we've seen. And coming off a of back surgery, no one would have expected those minutes to jump up, the games played to jump up. We've also got a different coach now. So how does Adrian Griffin deal with that? Like, And the fact that his usage went up was basically because Chris Middleton missed you know, the vast majority of the season, and that we, we think is not going to happen. Zach Collins is another guy I really like getting late. I presume that he'll be the starting center for the Spurs. His assist rate went through the roof last season when he took over from Jakob Pertl. I think he's going to be playing at least 27 a night. And not out of the realms of possibility that he. You know, we, we always talk, Matt, about hey, later rounds, let's get upside. Uh, why, why can't he be a top 60, top 70 type of player? Yeah, I think Zach Collins and Wendell Carter Jr. in particular are fairly safe. I'm not sure he'll be top 70, but I think they'll both probably settle in somewhere sort of between the 80 and maybe 100, 110 type range. They'll, they'll be strong enough to have standard leg value and. Um, and just be a handy center option who you can plug in on a night and, and give you some nice well-rounded production. So, 
Um, again, if you do miss out on some some centers through those mid rounds, there's a couple of good options here for you. I'm going to go and have a look at Zach Collins' numbers down this stretch of last season because I think they were pretty good. And if I look at just straight like nine cat rankings, final two final month of the season, 40th, last two weeks, 29th, paying 29 minutes a night, 18 and eight, two threes, four assists, 1.3 blocks, 52 and 80. That's like a an absolute fantasy boner. That is just unbelievable numbers, like hitting huge field goals with above average free throws and blocks and steals and assists and rebounds and threes and points. It basically gave you average or above average in every single category, which is just an enormous thing. Now, of course, Weminyama's there and you're not going to have all the Vassal and Sohan and Johnson rests. But to me, that that's a gigantic steal. I think people are expecting him to just come off the bench behind Weminyama and I don't believe that is the case. Let's... No, I'll oh, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, I don't, I don't think he'll come off the bench either. But again, he's not going to put up those sort of numbers playing next to no. Wembenyama, I don't think so. No, he's not. Like, he's not going to do that level of scoring or those rebounds. But still, rebounds. he yeah. is, I think I think he's got more upside than what Wend- Wendell's really good. I like him. But I don't think he's got the upside to push higher than that necessarily. But I think Zach could, you know, if he re-tiered things at the end of the season... He could be a tier six block. He could be maybe close to where Jared Allen is or Yucca Pirtle uh, is for this coming season. I think that's a possibility. The last tier, Matt, is tier 10. Jalen Duran's there. Mitchie Robinson's there. And Clint Capella's there. Robinson is just completely hamstrung by the Tom Thibodeau rule of you cannot have more than 9% usage as a center and the fact that he gets hurt every five minutes. Um, Capella, we, we just we don't know. We just don't know what's going to happen. We assume he's still going to be useful, but upside is gone. I'm really big on Duran. I am not worried at all about James Wiseman Sr. or James Wiseman Jr. taking minutes away from him. I think Duran's going to play 30, 30 plus. I think he needs to flash more shot blocking skills, but he did that in college. It just didn't come last season. He can actually pass a little bit. He can handle the ball a little bit. I, I would not, maybe it's not this year, maybe I'm one year too early, but a Nick Claxton type season from Duran, which we got from La- Claxton last season, they they remind me of each other a little bit. Duran's stronger and he's got way more upside overall, but I think that he can get to something along those lines. Yeah, I really like JD as well. And I think if you could get one of him. Daniel Gafford or Mark Williams on your roster this year, I think that's going to be pretty, pretty good and, um, yeah, be be a strong outcome come later in the season. If you can get two, I think all the better. So, um, yeah, some some three or well, three names there and, and three young players with plenty of upside to come. Like I very comfortably take Duran ahead of Robinson and Capella. Like I just there's just so much more upside in what he can do. I think him and Cunningham played 12 minutes together all last season, or maybe it was even less than that. And that's like pick and roll, like porn to see Cade's, Cade setting up Jalen Duran. I don't know what you jerk off to, Matt, but maybe it is Cade and Jalen Duran pick and roll. So that's what I'm going to start doing this season. And I hope we get to see a lot more than 12 minutes of it because you know, 12 minutes is probably not quite enough for a whole season. I don't know where to go <laughs> after that. You've had too many wines and beers. Let's go to the end of the show. Matt, that is the end of the tiers that we have covered here over the last five or six nights as we've been recording them. The center tiers are out. What have you got in the cooker over at Basketball Monster at the moment? All right, so overall ranking tiers are sort of half done, so hopefully they'll be out. Um, what do we need on Monday night recording? So hopefully by the end of the week. Um, and then we'll have sleepers, bus breakouts as normal. We'll have... Um, an article that I've done over the past couple of seasons called The Backup Plan. Uh, Basketball Monster members know what that is, and I don't believe it's done on any other site. So a nice little 
different sort of article there and um, backed by popular demand will be my um, ultimate strategy article and of course my categorical scarcity article. Um, so plenty to come. We'll also do a couple of live chats um, leading into the season as well. So yeah, it's all happening. So follow me on Twitter at SMN Sports, sign up to basketballmonster.com and we'll see you over there. Yeah, we will. Matt, thank you for uh, for coming on and, uh, and chatting all these tears with me again for about the I don't know, eighth year in a row. Thank you. It's always good fun, mate. Take care. Cheers. And that will do it for me today. I know there's going to be someone who's in the chat or in the comments. Josh, what are you going to do? Why don't you chug the rest of that beer? Come on, guys. What do you want me to do? Nah, nah. Should I do it? No, I won't. I won't do it. But I am going to drink it as soon as we get off air because I'm ready for bed and ready to just relax, get things ready. I know this is coming out at a different time, but this is the time that I'm recording and I don't normally record this late. So follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app and on YouTube. Thumb it up and leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.